Everybody say praise the Lord. Amen. Turn around, shake your neighbor's hand, and say, welcome to camp meeting. You may be seated. Praise God. I want to say what a honor, and this is going to sound like, I know some of you are going to think, you know, they, they have a class at headquarters where Brother Bernard teaches us to say what I'm about to say. We don't, okay? And, we, and I can't say this everywhere, but Brother Parrish, we were talking about this driving out here today. I've been, I've been to a few camp meetings, uh, and a lot of places, they're more worried about how they look, and it's more of a, a fashion show, so to speak, and they're rushing to get to a restaurant, and I'm not, whatever, I'm not, I'm not being critical of all that, but there is such a hunger here, a real hunger and I, I know, I know, probably the the the, ma the the vast majority of that reason is because you're you're spread out so far, but you don't just gather together like this and have the kind of services that you are having, without us realizing that you have these kind of services back home, and you don't just show up and learn to do this for a week. So, brother Parrish, I guess what I'm saying is it just feels very. Uh, good to be in a district where where we sense there's some real healthy things going on in the local church because the local church is the hope of the world amen and uh, I I came to Alaska last year for your Christmas for Christ kickoff service and just immediately knew okay we have to give some strong attention to that and, and I'll say this publicly because I won't be the NAM director after general conference. So whoever the next NAM director is, if he doesn't feel that Alaska needs some, some attention and resources, then we shouldn't vote for him. So, so when all you preachers, when you're doing your little politicking and you're trying to figure out who to vote for, ask them, what are you going to do for Alaska? And if they hem-haul around, just wave at him a smile, but no. Okay, who's the next guy? Now, I don't want to get too political. Or call me, and I'll just tell you who to vote for. Okay, we could do that, too. Uh, but I just really feel like it, it's, it's, it's more cost-effective, and it's easier for us to send the three of us up here than to try to send people down to the lower 48. And so thank you, Brother Parrish, for allowing us to come and just invest and give. And, and we have received more than, than we have imparted and given, so thank you. Um, now, I love to preach, but the only thing I enjoy doing more than preaching is teaching. And so this is just, I've been looking forward to this service right here. And I'm not, a, I'm not a great preacher and I'm not a great teacher. I just enjoy communicating things to the people of God. I may not even raise my voice today, but that's okay. 
Because Pentecostals, we do not need to allow volume to dictate victory. Okay? And we can just talk and it be as anointed as if I was turning flips. Now, I remember as a kid, and I'll get to a text in a minute, but I remember as a kid uh, when video games kind of first came out. Now, we got them like 10 years after they first came out because we had to wait for them to go to the garage sales. And I remember when we got our first, see if anybody else can remember this, Atari. And, uh, and they had some really high-tech games. You had this little round circle that looked like it had a mouth, and it would eat dots. Pac-Man. Oh, my word. And then Frogger. Man, that was just beautiful stuff. Pong. See, I got some 80s people up in this room today. That's beautiful. Donkey Kong. <laughs> now, now they've messed it all up. You got these fancy games where it looks like real people. You know, you don't even know if it's TV or video game. They're too fancy. I don't know. It's too much for me. Uh so they came out several years ago with this little cube that you would plug into your, te to your monitor. <laughs> now, they do have a class at headquarters that teaches us to say that, so <laughs> I, I almost messed up on that one. And you plug it in. To your, to your TV, and then you would have, like, within this one little cube that would have a little joystick on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Then it would have all these old retro games on it, you know? And, and me and my wife thought, listen to this, like typical parents. We thought, Caitlin will enjoy this. We wanted to play those games. And there was one on this particular cube that I had forgot about. How many remember the game Dig Dug? Oh, yes. And me and my wife had some very heated competition. Caitlin sitting there, can I play? Shut up, kid. Can I play? You go to your room. But daddy, don't make me tell you, say butt daddy one more time. Say butt daddy one more time and see where butt daddy puts his hand. Get on, better get to you. How many of you played Dig Dug? Let me see your hands again. Okay, so you'll remember the, uh, the objective of Dig Dug was to eliminate underground dwelling monsters by either inflating them with an air pump until they exploded it's not near as gruesome as you think. For you that don't know, it's not near as gruesome as you think. 
or by positioning them to where you could drop rocks on them. The player's character is Dig Dug, dressed in white and blue, and he's able to dig through tun- or able to dig tunnels through destructible environments. Almost sounds like a church planner. Dig Dug will be killed if he is caught or crushed by a rock he has loosened. Almost sounds like a preacher. Dig Dug, the idea was to dig your way through, making tunnels as you go, advancing without anything bad happening to you. Almost sounds like saying a God. And so we got this little cube and supposedly bought it for Caitlin. And, and me and my wife, we began to play and reminisce on this old game again. And you could easily, and I can't tell you how many times we've done this, you could easily start the game over if you died too soon. You know, be like, all right, let's just hit restart, you know. But in the real game of life, you can't just hit restart. There may be a couple of mulligans in a golf tournament, but in real life, there's not a lot of do-overs. There's no reset button. There's no redos. You, you get, we get one shot at this, and uh, we only get one shot. And similar to that game, we find ourselves digging our way through, and we dig our way through financial hardships, and we dig our way through marital problems, and we dig our way through kids who have made bad decisions, and we, we dig our way through untimely funerals and unwanted troubles and uninitiated drama, and we just keep digging, and we keep digging. This family leaves, and we just keep plowing our way through. And if we're lucky, and most of us aren't, we can dig through without little atta- with little attacks from the enemy. Dig Dug is a game, but that's not what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about a topic on this. Not Dig Dug. I want to talk to you about Dig Dung. The importance of digging and dunging. Anytime a preacher can say the word dung in a pulpit, at a camp meeting, that's a good day right there, you know. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter number 13 and verse 6 says, A certain man, verse 6, had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Get rid of it. Why encumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, Let it alone this year also, here we go, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, 
And if it not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. Don't make a decision yet until I can dig it and until I can dung it. And then let's see what God will do after that. So I'll end our day sessions today by just talking about the importance of digging and dunging. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. For three years, the tree had not produced any fruit. For three years, there seemed to be no there seemed to be no signs of growth from the work that they have put into this particular tree. No fruit of its labor for three years. And the question was asked in our text, why is it even taking up space? Why does it cumbereth the ground? Why is it even bothering the ground by growing if it isn't producing? And I'm sure that there's probably a preacher or two at camp meeting this year that may have had some of those same thoughts. Why am I even here? I have tried. I have done this. And I have attempted to do that. And yet, year one, there was no fruit. And year two, there was no fruit. And year three, there's little or no fruit to show what I am doing. And if we're not careful... Saint of God, and if we're not careful, preacher or preacher's wives, we will come to the same conclusion that this man came to. It's just time to cut it down. We're just kind of wasting space here. I might as well quit. I might as well resign. I might as well get a real job. I might as well try something else. And uh, But the dresser of the vineyard said, Lord, don't cut it down just yet. Listen to what he said. He said these words. Give it one more year. And if you give it just one more year, I I will dig about it and I will dung it. And I want somebody to leave today with those words in your spirit. Give it. One more year. Look at your neighbor and say, give it one more year. In other words, don't don't quit right now. Just give it one more year. Don't, Don't go home from camp meeting and resign and give up this year. Give it one more year. Yeah, but but nothing's happened last year. I know, but give it. Just one. I feel like that's a word from the Lord for somebody right now. Just don't, 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 don't go through with what your flesh is telling you to do. Don't look in the past and say, "Hey, it's always been like this, and so it's going to always be like this." God has a way of turning things around. Sarah, you've been barren for a long time, but at a set time, I'm going to give you a child. I know you haven't had a breakthrough in your city yet. I know your church hasn't experienced the growth that you've wanted to experience yet. But at a set time, I just feel like telling somebody, give it one more year. Just wait till camp meeting next year and see what God does. 
Brother Blackshear said last night, from this fiscal year till next fiscal year, God's about to break strongholds, and he's about just give it one more year. Just give it one more year. Just give it one more year. But he didn't ask. Now, here's the, here's the thing. He didn't ask for an extra year so he could sit there and do nothing. No, no. He said, hey, don't give me an extra year just so I can twiddle my thumbs. Don't give me an extra year just so I can hope that something will happen. Don't give me an extra year because, you know, I'm not going to do anything and I'm going to get the same result. He said, give me one year and let me dig it. And let me dung it. And so this teaches me a simple principle that the the lack of digging and the lack of dunging is why there was no fruit on the tree. Isn't it amazing that things we can do in the near and around the root of a situation can affect the branches of the situation? We cannot, we will not produce any fruit if we never experience any digging and dunging. We can't be effective Christians. We cannot be who we're called to be. We cannot grow ourselves, and we will never be able to grow our churches if we don't learn how to endure some digging and some dunging. Let me say it like this. Easy believism is killing Christianity. And people who get into church planning and get into church growth thinking that it's going to be easy is setting themselves up for major concerns, problems, and setbacks. This erroneous theology that that we should never have to go through anything or endure anything or overcome anything... It's watering down and weakening Christianity, and that's an American doctrine. That would not even, that wouldn't even relate in Alaska Yukon. Isaac told Abraham, he said, Dad, he said, I can see the wood, and I can see the fire, but where is the sacrifice. You see, we'll never know him as Jehovah Jireh until there is some sacrifice involved. And I'm preaching to men and women and saints of God who have sacrificed. I don't mean just sacrifice with your giving. I mean real sacrifice, hardships, struggles, to just do and stay and build and plant what God has called you to do. I'm afraid in many of our churches, and again, I don't, I don't think this is true here, so I won't camp out here long, but in many places people can see our wood and they can see our buildings and they can see our fire and they can see our programs, but the question still remains, where is the sacrifice. Amen. You don't walk into a campground like this without people knowing a little bit, looking around, going, now this is a nice tabernacle. 
but I just came here, okay? I'm the first time I've ever been here, so I'm just like, wow, this is a nice tabernacle. That's a nice kitchen. That's a nice place to eat, nice snack shack. I get all that, but you're sitting here going, whoo, the sacrifice. I leaned over to Brother Blackshear yesterday, and I said, I bet it didn't always look like this. We cannot eliminate sacrifice and expect fire to ever fall from heaven. And sacrifice is part of the digging. Amen. We're going to have to go through some stuff if God's going to trust us to do great things. I've said this before to church planners, but the first five years in church planning has nothing to do with you growing a church. It has everything to do with God growing you. That's... So don't even give up yet. You ain't even got to the church part yet. God's just working on you. Let me just say it like this. If Jesus suffered, then who are we to think that we're not going to have to go through anything? Okay, it's Bible study. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10 says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine. The manner of life that I've lived, my purpose, faith, my long suffering, my charity, my patience. But you've also known my persecutions and the afflictions which came unto me at Antioch. And you, you know all the persecutions I endured, but, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. You know why you're still here today? Because the Lord's delivered you out of everything that you've been through. And, and look at verse 12, yea, and all. Now, now, let me tell you something about us preachers. We preachers are unique animals. Because most of us are dumb as a box of rocks. But we want people to think we're smart. So we say things like, well, in the original text, in the original Greek language, uh, and we make people, we try to make people feel like we can speak Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and we can't even speak English. But you know, the original Greek word, uh, the Hebrew word, that ain't speaking a language. You got something stuck in your throat. Spit that out. Talk to me. So I want to, I want to sound real smart. Any, I want to sound real smart right here. So I, I looked up the word in verse 12. I looked up the word all, and you know what it means? Some of, you, some of you wanted to look smart too, I see. That's good. I like that. Yea, and all, not some, not a few, not a couple of the carnal ones in the bunch, not just the ones who don't get it, but all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Quit quitting when things don't seem to go the way you want them to go. Understand that may be God digging. And if I'll endure the digging, there'll be fruit on my branches when the digging is over. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
That's why some of you are going through what you're going through right now. God hasn't deserted you. He hasn't ignored you. He hasn't forgotten your prayers. He's just got a shovel. He's got a spade out, and he's just digging into your life. He's digging into your situation because he can see one year down the road, and there's fruit that's going to come as a result of this digging. Somebody said amen. amen. All who live, all who live. Every, every one of us in here, you cannot, I know you know all this, but I'm, I'm, the, pre, I'm the reminding preacher. I'm just going to remind you of stuff you already know. You can't look at a preacher and go, man, if I had it as easy as he had it, boy, I could do Yeah, because behind every suit, and every smile, and every what we would label as success, which many times is not what God labels as success, but nonetheless, I know how we think. Behind all of that, is that Derek Pohl back there? What in the world are you doing here? I thought you were in South Dakota. They ran you out. I saw that coming. I went to Bible college with them. My word. Looking back there like, what have I done? Do I owe you money and you're coming to collect? What's the deal? What are you doing here? Because if I was on vacation, I wouldn't come to hear me teach at a camp meeting. I can promise you that. Everybody say digging. Sorry for that little sidetrack there. But every one of us will endure some digging. You can't just look at somebody and go, man, Brother Armstrong's a great preacher. I wish I could preach like that. There's, there's a lot of struggles and troubles and trials that they've been through. And we don't always get up and tell people that because we hope that you would have common sense enough to know. Let, let's look. John chapter uh, 15, verse 2. Jesus said it like this. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit... He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges. Now get this. Everything that's not producing, he says, we'll just, we'll just remove it. But if you want to produce, you got to endure the purging. Man. Can't I have a Pentecost without purging? No. Can't I have an anointing without purging? No. Can I grow a church without purging? No. The only way you're going to add to the church is to have some purge. It purges that it may bring forth more fruit. In order to grow, we will have to continue to go through some stuff. Now listen to these verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. What? You mean God may discipline me? Now listen to this next part. Now it's written in the Bible so we get it. Nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. 
the Lord kind of rebukes you and you just, you faint. <laughs> I can't believe he'd get on to me. For whom the Lord loveth. I looked that word up. He chasing it. I looked that word up. It just means he beats with a belt. <laughs> it really doesn't, but it sounds good. And he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If, verse 7, if, circle that, underline that, draw an arrow to that, prick your finger, put blood by that. If you endure chastening. Because not everybody's going to endure it. Because we don't like the digging. Just give me the fruit. But if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Now I was standing in the airport the other day. And uh, I saw about a, a five-year-old boy whipping his father. Literally. The kid was kicking his dad, took his fist and hit his dad in the face, spit on his dad. I'm standing like from here to there. And I'm thinking, at what point are you going to fix this, dad? And the, the dad, there's people all around and the boy, the five or six year old kid is whipping the father. I called my wife and was telling her, I said, I wish Caitlin would have did that one time. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The only reason we had a kid is because I wanted to whip a kid. I got whipped as a kid, and the whole time as a kid, I'm thinking, I can't wait till I have a kid. This is awesome. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to whip me some kids. And here's a father being held hostage by a five-year-old because in order to love him, I can't discipline him. Now, I listen, I'm, I'm not talking about abuse, and I'm not even here on a parenting class, but let me tell you something. You don't have to be held hostage by your children. And God's not going to let us kick him and hit him and spit on him and throw our little tantrums and why am I going through this and why? If he loves us, he will discipline us. He will dig around us. And that makes us sons. I don't know who that kid was kicking his daddy, but that wasn't his son. Because a father wouldn't let a son act like that. Furthermore, let's keep going here before I get in trouble and get the authorities called on me. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And we gave them reverence. Hey, that's what the book says. We have fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. The reason why some young people don't revere their parents is because there's no correction. And the reason why we now have a problem with authority, whether it be police officers or pastors or teachers, it doesn't matter because we don't want to be corrected. 
Now, you can't have that thinking in the world and it not sneak its way into the church. And the reason why there's no fear of the Lord and there's no reverence of the Lord is because we don't want to be corrected by the Lord. But you don't revere or respect anybody that can't correct you. <laughs> okay, let's keep reading here. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now, that verse, my dad died when I was a kid. He died. I, I was uh, 13 when my dad died, and he was sick most of my life, and I only remember him uh, whipping me a couple of times. But now my mama. So that verse should read to me, we have all had mothers of our flesh who have corrected us. One time after my dad died, uh, I was probably 14 years old at the time, and I was really at that at that crossroads that I was either going to get stupid or stay saved. Because I got the Holy Ghost when I was 11, and I prayed every single day that God would would say uh, would heal my dad and save my dad and really felt like God was going to do that as an 11-year-old kid. I just knew God was going to answer that prayer, and he didn't do it. Now, I look back. I didn't know it at the time, but that was just a process of digging and some dunging because it stunk. And so I never quit going to church. I started going to church when I was 11 years old by myself and uh, didn't quit going to church, but I wasn't in church. But I never got out of church. And I wasn't, you call me a hypocrite, whatever you want. I'm glad I never quit. Because I might not ever came back. But I was there. Now, I've never done anything stupid, okay? I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never done drugs. I've, I've, never, um, uh, I've never done anything stupid. Uh, you know, I should live to be a thousand. But I started in my mind, wrestling with some stuff. And so one time, my mom, I opened the refrigerator, and my mom was in the kitchen cooking, and we lived in a house about this big. And um, whatever whatever I wanted in the refrigerator wasn't there. So when I closed the refrigerator door, I hit it. That was pretty solid, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's pray, church. <laughs> I hit the refrigerator, and I cursed. And I felt macho. Now, my dad wasn't in church. But when we were kids, he wouldn't even let us wear a pair of shorts around the house because he said, you got sisters in the house. You're not running around here half naked. Now, that wasn't a religious thing. That was just an old southern thing, I guess. I don't know. And uh, now, he, now, he's drunk, and he, you know, beat us half to death. But bless God, put you on some britches, boy. You're not running around here naked. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so... So I was going to be really rebellious. I went and took a shower, and I put on a pair of shorts, and I was just laying in my room. And, and my mom, she didn't open the door. I'm not even sure how the door came. It just The door just kind of removed itself, and there she stood. Sue. And Sue grabbed the first thing she could, which happened to be a wire coat hanger. Now, I don't know if you know, them old wire coat hangers that had the little blue speck on the bottom of it to keep your pants from falling off. And she started whipping me with a coat hanger. The only reason she stopped whipping me when she stopped whipping me is because the coat hanger was so tangled. She could no longer hold it. And um, I looked down, and everywhere that she hit me, it left a little cut and 
my leg was bleeding pretty good. And now this is this honest God, this is the truth. I walked in that kitchen and she's standing over the stove weeping. And I uh, I just said, Hey mom and she turned around and of course when she saw my leg she got all even more upset with herself and I just said, Hey, I just wanted to say thank you. I needed that. Now, I honestly tell people, that day, my mama beat the devil out of me. I really do believe that. That day, because I was about to teeter over in this way, some of us need to just find a place with God and look at all of this stuff that we've been through and say, hey, God, thanks. I don't understand it. I didn't, it didn't feel good. I don't appreciate it. But, God, I thank you for looking ahead. And I just feel in the Holy Ghost that some of you have been going through stuff that you don't understand why you've been going through it. But God is just preparing you for a great harvest that he has for you. I don't know. I hope that makes sense. Okay, verse 10 says, For they verily for a few days chastened us with their own pleasure. See? <laughs> I used to spank Caitlin, and I don't want to embarrass her, but I, I, I gave Caitlin a pretty good whip in about four months where she went off to Bible college. She bowed up one day, and I said, Not today. Not today, kid. But when I used to spank Caitlin, I'd make her go to her bedroom, and I'd say, Roll over. Get on that bed and roll over. And I knew I was a good parent one day when I walked down the hall and I went by her bedroom and she had her little Barbie doll and she was saying, whoa, over, whoa, over, whoa, oh. And she was in there whipping that baby doll. I was like, we got this. This is a pretty good day for the Tonys. They chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, listen, that we might be partakers of his holiness. You're not going to be holy if you don't go through some stuff. You're never going to be holy just because you dress a certain way. Your holiness is going to be revealed when you've been through hell. But you're still loving God. And he's disciplined you. And he's taken a shovel and he's dug around your roots. But you're still living. Now you're holy. Now, verse 11 says, now... No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. <laughs> I am so glad that I'm being beat right now. <laughs> this is awesome. I am so glad that those people are leaving my church. <laughs> Look, somebody else has lied on us, honey. <laughs> it's not joyous. It's grievous. Nevertheless. Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Without discipline, without digging, without dunging, and without valleys, and without the proper fertilizer, we cannot grow, and we cannot mature, and we cannot become who we are supposed to be. I wish somebody say amen. Let's talk for a few minutes about digging. 
digging. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but there's a couple of aspects of digging. One is we have to dig. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell therein. He made the earth, and he made the earth to be populated by us, and he made the earth to be dominated by us. Genesis 1, 26, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. God made the earth, and he made men to have dominion over the earth. However, and you'll know this better than me, but God did not allow the oil to flow freely out of the streams of a mountain. God put oil deep in the earth because it's too valuable of a commodity to fall into the hands of lazy men. It's there, but if you want to find it, you're going to have to dig. Amen. There, there's a lot of great truths in this book. But if you want to find it, you're going to have to spend some time digging around. Because if God would have just, the last thing we need is for truth and knowledge and, and the gifts to fall into the hands of lazy, carnal preachers. Jesus told a parable along these lines. He said that if, if, if important things are on the surface, they'll never be beneficial in the long term. Matthew chapter 13, he said, He spake parables unto them, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside. Some fowls came and devoured them, and some fell in stony places. They had not much earth. They sprung up, but because they had no deepness of the earth, when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. The seed just lying on the ground was easily devoured. The seed on the stony places withered because they were too close to the surface. There's just some things you can't get without digging. But if we can learn how to dig, then there are some great treasures in the Word of the Lord and in our relationship with God that could totally transform our lives. That's why reading our Bible every single day is important. It's digging. Hey, and I'm just going to be real honest with you. I told Brother Armstrong today driving out here, I said, man, this time change has got me messed up. I'm so tired when I go to bed, but I wake up so early because it's like, you know, when I preach here, it's like 8 o'clock here, but it's midnight, my body time, and, you know. And so I told Brother Armstrong, I said, I got up this morning, I said, I read my Bible. I said, I retained this much of it. But I read it. Ask me what I read. Whatever the day is, whatever's on that day, that's what I read. But I dug a little. That's why praying is essential. I don't, every time I pray, me and God don't, you know, he doesn't throw out these revelations. I don't, I'm, I'm leery of people that, that Jesus talks to all the time. Because I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with him. And most of the time, he's just like mute. 
But I've talked to some people, the Lord said, and the Lord said, and God said, and, and the Lord said, and Jesus said, and I'm like, I just told a guy the other day, every time you say that, I have no opinion because I'm not going to argue with the Lord. But many times we talk like that to manipulate people into thinking we're more than we are. I'll run the aisles over that one. But doing these daily disciplines... Whether they produce goosebumps or not, every day, that's just digging. digging. Verse number 10 of Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says, And the disciples said, why, why, why are you talking parables? Jesus said, Because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them it's not given. If you want to know, you'll dig for it. But I don't want this just to fall into the hands of the casual observer. Let me tell you something. That's the same thing with building a church. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to be the richest. You don't have to be the most gifted speaker. You don't have to be the most talented person in the world. You, but you cannot be lazy. And if you're not lazy, you can build a church. And if you don't mind digging a little bit, you can build a church. And if you don't mind praying and living a, sacrif a sacrificial lifestyle, you can build a church. You don't have to build a church on some fancy program. You can just build a church on loving people, helping people, ministering to people, digging into the lives of people. I'm talking about the importance of digging. Look at your neighbor and say, I can dig this. Now, let's keep reading here. Let's mess with our... Let's mess with the socialists out there, okay? Just, I, I picked on the Republicans last night. I picked on the Democrats last night. Let's go on and get Bernie here, too, while we're here. Uh, hey, I was preaching a camp. I got to quit telling stories. It's time to eat. But I was preaching a camp meeting one time, and I saw a guy. This was last year, right before the election. I saw a guy, I promise you, looked just like Bernie Sanders. I was like, the burn has come to hear me speak. And so I didn't think nothing about it. But Brother Parrish, I took my phone. I just kind of snapped a picture of him. And I put it on Twitter. And I said, Bernie came to hear me speak tonight. Because I thought that was funny. It amazes me that there are some people out there that don't think my sense of humor is funny. That bothers me. How can you not like me? God, I'm likable. So the district superintendent came up to me and he said, uh, Brother Tony, can I talk to you? <laughs> and honestly, God, this is exactly what I said. What did I do? Because, <laughs> you know, he had that look like my mama had. He looked for a coat hanger. He said, uh, I think you put something on social media about a man in the audience. I said, oh, yeah. I said, there's a dude that looks just like Bernie Sanders. He said, yeah, but his daughter follows you, and she's very upset about that. <laughs> and he said, do you mind removing it? I said, I don't, I don't mind at all, brother, district superintendent. I don't mind at all. 
I said, but he looks just like Bernie. <laughs> so let's pick on Bernie here. Verse 12. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more. But whosoever has not, from him it shall be taken away. Now, see, that goes against us because we want to take from the ones who's got a bunch and spread it around to the ones who don't have any. Now, I'm not trying to be political. I'm talking spiritual here. But maybe the reason why some people don't have anything is because they're lazy. And God's saying, why do I want to give my resources to somebody that's not going to do anything with them? I'd rather take from the one that's lazy and not do anything with it and give it to somebody that's willing to get their hands dirty and let them take it and... So listen, don't you sit there and play the, uh, the comparison game and go, well, you know, they're having revival and God loves them more than me and you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs doing nothing. We can all do this. We can all be part of the kingdom of God. We can all have revival in our own right. You may not have the biggest church in the district, but if you just go and work and do what God's called you to do, you're adding to camp meeting and somebody else may have more, but as long as they're working and doing what... I'm not worried about the people that are working. God deliver us from lazy preachers, and God deliver us from lazy saints. Let's get busy about the Father's business. We've got a church to build. We've got a kingdom to build. We're racing the rapture of the church. We've got Bible studies to teach. We've got communities to start preaching points in and daughter works in. We don't have time to be lazy and want somebody to give us a handout. Yeah, but Brother Tony, you've had everything handed to you. You're goofy. You don't know. There's a lot of digging here. Amen. Let, let's, let, let's, let's move on real quick because sometimes we have to dig and sometimes God digs around us. The digging that God often does to us is through trials and trouble and life-altering situations. That we'll, listen, there's just some things we go through we're never going to understand down here. You don't have to look much further than the life of Job to comprehend and understand that sometimes the digging is painful. But it's going to bring forth much. The first chapter of Job is some of the most intense reading you'll ever do. It starts out letting us know Job was a man that loved God and hated evil. He had a great relationship with God. He had such a relationship with God, he attracted the devil. Now, that's a relationship with God that the devil shows up to see. Maybe the reason why you're fighting some things is because you have such a great relationship with God. You know you're living for God when the devil takes notice. Job's children died, Job's livestock died, Job's servants died, his wife became bitter. His whole life was being dug up, dug around, plowed through, and on the surface it looked rough. It looked like nothing was going to make sense. But even during the digging process, Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not. 
Anytime you can have situations and circumstances dig around your life and still praise God and retain a life of righteousness and you remain sinless during the digging, you are on your way to a Job 42.10 miracle where he's going to give you double than what you've ever had before. But if he can't purge you and if he can't discipline you and if he can't dig around you, you'll just become bitter about what what you used to have instead of becoming better and receiving what God would have for you to receive in the future. I hope that makes sense to somebody. So that's the importance of digging. Now let's talk for a few minutes about dung. Our text said, Lord, let it alone this year till I shall dig about it and dung it. Dig, dug. Dig Dung. Dig Dug is a video game. Dig Dung is the process that God puts us through. Because there's really no need to plow and dig if you're not going to do the next important step of fertilizing. The dung. I love that word, dung. It may stink. It may not seem good at the time. It may turn some people off. But if you want fruit, then you have to endure the dig. And you have to endure the dung. Every situation that we go through should become a form of fertilizer or miracle grow. That fertilizes our future. That fertilizes our faith. If I'd have thought about it, I'd have brought some miracle grow just handed it out today because if we grow it's a miracle but we serve a God that still does miracles let me let me read something to you that I read so just bear with me here the let's be adults for a minute the effects of manure on the soil are beneficial As the soil absorbs the manure, nutrients are released. This enriches the soil, which in turn helps the plants. The most important benefit of using manure as a fertilizer is its ability to condition the soil. Mixing manure with sandy soils helps to retain moisture. Adding manure to compacted soil helps to loosen the soil. So where it's too loose, put some dung in it, and it will hold it together. Where it's too compacted, put some dung in it, and it'll loosen it up. That's what it's saying. Mixing, or I'm sorry, manure produces increased soil carbon, which is an important source of energy that makes nutrients available to plants. So without the dung, there's no conditioning. Without the dung, there's no moisture. Without the dung, there's no loosening. Without the dung, there's no nutrients. And the same is true in the spirit. God can use some pretty horrible things to condition us, to loosen us, and to give us the proper nutrients that will help us grow and mature.
And if we can't handle the manure, we will never mature. And I just want to encourage somebody today. Quit complaining about the digging and quit complaining about the dung and the stench of your problems. God, like Brother Hobson said, is setting you up for all of that to become a fertilizer for your future. Every problem you're going through right now is getting you ready for your victory tomorrow. What the enemy meant for evil. I know it may stink right now, but that stink is going to produce a miracle. Lazarus has been dead for four days, and by now he stinketh. But that's just fertilizer for the supernatural to be un... What you're going through right now is nothing more than a platform for a greater promise to unfold in your don't let the digging discourage you don't let the dunging depress you don't let the trials trip you up he that hath begun a good work in you shall finish it in Jesus name the digging and the dunging is important to what God Everything this district has been through has been God setting you up to be able to receive the blessings and the miraculous and the supernatural that he's ready to unfold in this end time church. But he had to dig. Had to dung. Anybody ever felt like you just went through some mess? Just fertilizer. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered digging the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Now, I lost all this but I'm winning over here. I lost over here, but I'm winning here. Paul said, I've lost all things, but in the midst of the loss, I count it. I did an inventory. I considered it. I call it nothing but dung. In other words, everything I've been through is just fertilizer to help me grow. It's to help me go to the next level. So why do I need to cry about it? I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to cuss about it. It's just dung, and it's part of the process, but God's using it to help me grow. Two more verses, and I'm done. I don't even know if you can have an altar call after preaching about dung. We'll see. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 83. Verse number 9, do unto them as unto the Midianites, and to Caesarea, and to Jabin at the brook of Kassan, which perished at Endor, verse 10. They became as dung for the earth. The New Living Translation says it like this. They were destroyed at Endor, and their decaying corpses fertilized the soil. That horrible situation that you're going through is nothing more than fertilizer for the harvest that God wants to give you. All of that stuff that's come against you, 
That's just fertilizer for the soil. Why is this tree even taking up ground? Lord, give it one more year. And let me dig about it. And let me dung it. And in one more year, God, there can be fruit on this tree. Let's all stand. I just want somebody to get that word back into your spirit. Just give it one more year. Just one more year. Just one more year. Don't you let that spiritual resistance that you're going through overwhelm you. Satan is trying his best to wear you out. He's trying to make you think the digging and the dunging is because God has forgotten you and God has deserted you, but let us not be ignorant of the devil's devices. And let's not let him get in a, a foothold among us. Let's not let him have an advantage among us. Let's have the revelation that, wait a minute, the digging and the dunging is to help me get through this year so next year I can have fruit. So here's what we're going to do. I, I'm a very, I try to be a very transparent person. Because I think it's real hard to say we have the truth without also having some transparency. Truth and transparency is like a hand in a glove. they got to fit. So I'm, not, I'm not trying to embarrass nobody. I would never. Well, I'd embarrass a couple of you just because you're my buddies. But, but, but on, the, on a wider scale, I wouldn't want to embarrass you. And I wouldn't want to take advantage of your situation. But if you just feel like you've been in the the digging and the dunging, and you just feel like you've been year one, no fruit, and year two, no fruit, and year three, and you're just waiting on that breakthrough, but, but you would admit that you've thought, why am I even here? Why am I even taking up ground? I'd really like to give you first dibs on an opportunity to step out and, and, and just let God, and it's not to embarrass you, but just it's not happening the way I wanted it to happen. And, and I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. If you're willing to give God one more year, let's talk about that for a minute. If you're willing to, to give God one more year and say, God, go ahead and dig about this and go ahead and dung this, would you come to this front and just slip your hands up for a few minutes? And We don't have to have a long altar call today, just a little Bible lesson. Hopefully this will get in your spirit. But God, I'm going to give it another year. I'm not going to gripe about the digging, and I'm not going to gripe about the dunging, and I'm just going to count it all but dung. It's just fertilizer. It's just to help me grow. It's just to help me receive. If you've been through some stuff and you don't understand it, maybe this would just be a good time to say, thank you, God, for disciplining me and loving me and treating me like a son and treating me like a daughter. Let's pray right now. Thank you, Jesus.